Hello and welcome back to Making It, a podcast where we explore all the joys and challenges of being an independent maker. I'm your host, Mike Williams. I'm a small business owner slash maker from Maryland. In my life and my careers, I've met and worked with many interesting people. I've stayed connected with several of them. And today's guest is one of those former colleagues, Andrew Thomas. Andrew is a game designer and art director from New York. Andrew and I first met when he was in customer service at Shapeways. He later moved on to the community team with myself, where we worked together for several years. Hey, Mike, what's going on? Not a whole lot. How's it going? Good, good, good. Um, Yeah, thank you for having me on. Well, thank you for joining us. Yeah, yeah, it's fun talking to you. Uh, We haven't talked in a little bit, but yeah. (laughs) Right. It's always good catching up with uh, old colleagues and friends. Yeah. Uh, so uh, I figured to get us started, started, why don't you tell us a little about yourself, wh- where you come from and everything? Sure. Um, yeah, so my name is uh, Andrew Thomas. Um, I grew up in the Boston area, uh, a little town called Medfield. Um, it's like, like almost as far out of Boston as you can get. You can still say Boston. Um, and if you live in Boston, people would be like, no, bro, you don't there. Um, I'm sorry if, if this is a new person in the podcast. Um, I'll bleep it out. <laughs> uh, uh, yeah, so like, you know, grew up just, um, you know, loving drawing, loving art. Um, I went to uh, Boston University for, uh, I ultimately decided to study sculpture. Had a very academic background in art. Started doing things like uh, you know, like figurative modeling, and then was doing wood carving and then stone carving. And, you know, eventually, after I graduated, sort of was confronted with that, that great uh, question of what do I do for a living? You know, how do I pay the bills? Um, so I started teaching myself to do uh, 3D modeling and 3D animation um, because I, I really always was interested in making video games um, and, and movies and animated things like that. Eventually wound up uh, moving to New York, um, looking for uh, opportunities. I was working in, in customer service and then doing freelance um, modeling on the side. Uh, heard about Shapeways. Uh, you know, I was really excited about 3D printing. Joined the Shapeways team, and then and then yeah, you know, fast forward a couple of years. Um, now I'm I'm back in the the, the freelance game, um, working on a few. Uh, games of my own. I, 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 since then, I've learned um, more about game design uh, and and you know how to actually put all of the, the pieces together with coding and design and you know whatnot. Uh, yeah, so that's that's kind of my my new my new jam right now. The new direction. It's a very fun direction. <laughs> <laughs> So, do do you feel the uh, the sculpting and the wood working that that helped you in, transfer over into the three D modeling and game design? Yeah, yeah, I think it does. I mean, I so I think when I was, I think I always wanted to be doing game design, like from the get go. Um, I just didn't have the know how or the skills. Um, and I think like all forms of art are, are interesting, you know. So like, I'm not like I can like be reasonably engaged with most things um, and that you know is very engaged with like the process of wood carving I love I love uh, I love tools that make it difficult for you you know they put up a lot of resistance so like clay I think was like too sloppy and messy and like 
just you know I'm I'm probably a little clumsy, so it was it was too easy to uh, mess up. Whereas like wood and stone, you know, you have to you have to use a hammer and the chisel, and um, you know you have to be really deliberate. Uh, put, put some put some strength behind it in, in order to affect it, um, and that that like process was really exciting to me. Um, and I think it taught me how to think uh, additively and subtractively, um, which is which is pretty valuable. I think I mean a lot of 3D modeling is pretty additive too. Obviously, 3D printing is 100% additive, but you know uh, if you understand if you understand the opposite, you kind of get a better sense of that, right? Like so, like understanding you know this is a block of stone cut off. If I subtract this part. Uh, you know, this is what that shape will be like. If I do that four times, then compounding, that's what the, the, the performance will look like. Um, which, yeah, yeah, so I think I think it's, you know, it, it, it adds to the, your palette of ways to think about um, the process that you're going to be using later on. Yeah, I definitely think uh, wrapping your mind around the additive and subtractive uh, forms of creation especially in 3D modeling, there's a lot of, you know, you need to add a flange and then you need to remove, you know, add, put a hole in it. So it's a lot of add, take away. Right. So I, I definitely see how that could definitely uh, work with the 3D modeling. Yep. Yeah, and it's almost like, it's funny, now I like think of like stone carving and I'm like, oh, it's just a series of booleans of different shapes. Right. Uh, you know, triangles that you're removing from the, the model, right? Yeah, <laughs> uh, definitely. Don't bunch of Boolean operations. Yes. <laughs> yeah. Um, yeah. Um, one of my favorite softwares is uh, Sculptress, uh, yeah. just because it's like working with a ball of clay and it's mm -hmm. so freeform. But yeah, I, I definitely think like like clay. I, I wanted to work with clay a lot more when I was younger, but it, I never really had a lot of opportunity to do it. But it definitely seems like a very uh, finicky process. Like you have to have the right amount of moisture in it to be able to work with it, and you have to keep it moist to keep it workable. But if you get it too moist, then it's a puddle of mud. Yeah, yeah, I I, I really found that challenging. I, I almost preferred letting it dry out too much and then carving into it. Um, that's actually how I started. But, you know, I was uh, I had a teacher who he was like, oh yeah, you know, now you can go back and carve it into it with uh, you know some of these these uh, rasps and things like that. And I really enjoyed that. I started doing plaster after that, carving plaster. Um, and then, you know, eventually, luckily, I had, I had both my professors, because they were very traditional, they were they were into carving, um, you know, and sort of gave me the tips on how to do that without cutting myself too much. Um, yeah, there was a while where I was using a chainsaw. Uh, <laughs> that was really fun. Um, using a chainsaw with uh, clay and plaster or, or with uh, wood? No, with, with, yeah, with wood. <laughs> okay. So, what, like, uh, cutting up logs? Uh, yeah, yeah. Oh yeah, yeah. Doing my chainsaw bears. <laughs> that's awesome. I, I've seen that and always have wanted to have a log and just chop at it with a chainsaw. <laughs> yeah. Uh, that that's got to take a lot of uh, hand-eye skill coordination to make to make the details and everything. It seems mm -hmm. a little wieldy. Yeah, yeah. I mean, it's actually it's like a good good tool because like everything is just a straight line cut right mm -hmm. and then you have that tip and like the tip is really dangerous but you can do a lot because it's like it's like a very small curved spot um you can actually do a lot of detail with it it's just that anytime if you cut something kind of going upwards you get backlash and mm -hmm. the sock can come right back at you 
Mm. Um, so it's like the only dangerous is like there's a certain place on the on the, the like top side of the tip of a chainsaw that's like incredibly dangerous. Um, and using that like oh man, I definitely had like a grad uh, graduate um, what do you call it like a teaching assistant who like gashed himself pretty bad. Mm. You know, I've cut myself with a few things like yeah, it's, it's definitely it's dangerous, but like it's a mad effective tool, you know. <laughs> it's just an amazing art form. <laughs> yeah. Uh, so with with the the game design, do you remember the first time you saw something that made you think that you wanted to do that? Oh yeah. I mean, you know, I would say always. Um, so I don't know. I remember. I mean, like you know, I saw Mario for the first time when I was really really young, and I was obsessed with it. I remember playing, you know. A street Fighter at my cousin's house um, and just being so excited by, uh, you know, watching these guys fight. Uh, yeah, I don't know. Games just had, like, a, an immediate impact on me throughout my, my whole youth, you know, going to the arcade or whatever. Uh, yeah, do you, do you, are you looking for, like, a specific thing or, like, a specific memory? Um, no, I mean, just a childhood of video games. That, that sounds about right. <laughs> Um, yeah, yeah. I mean, like you know, you go to the arcade, like yeah, right. Like that's it's crazy to be like, oh, I remember arcades. I remember they were they were the thing. But yeah, arcades were were kind of the place where I started. You know, I definitely remember I just like being like very young, like driving to like New Hampshire or something, and like going to a store that had like Mario playing in an arcade and wanted to play that. Um, playing all of the light gun shooters, uh, you know the. Yeah, all of those. Um, the Jurassic Park one, Time Crisis. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, and, and I, I like the ticket games and stuff too, but really liking the um, the crazier stuff. And then, and then, yeah, and then eventually, you know, having a, uh, a console. Um, I got an N64 first, and that was that was it. You know, I was hooked. Yeah, the definitely our childhood growing up with Nintendo and everything. Uh, when you brought up the light guns and uh, and Mario, uh, interesting story. In, in high school, uh, I made a duck hunt game on PowerPoint. <laughs> wow. So, like, the duck would fly around, and you could click on it, and it would fall, and the dog would pop up. It was... Amazing. Yeah, in PowerPoint. <laughs> um, now, did you, like, script that and stuff, or...? Yeah, I, well, there wasn't much scripting. It, it was, you know, end of 2000, you know, early 2000s. Um, so that PowerPoint wasn't that powerful back then. Um, yeah. So it was just a lot of, you know, making objects move across the screen, making them clickable, uh, adding other animations and stuff to happen when you clicked on it, and, and saving it all on that's a floppy scripted. disk. <laughs> yeah, that's amazing. It, great. See, in my school, we didn't have much of that. Uh, there wasn't really like an animation class or anything where I could have been able to use that creativity in a non-PowerPoint fashion. <laughs> sure. You know, I, a lot of people like PowerPoint and um, Excel. Like, I hear a lot of people do really creative stuff with those programs. That, that they're actually preferred creative tool. Um, so. Yeah, I know the I'm last surprised. time I used PowerPoint, it's uh, they've added a whole lot of stuff to it. I could probably make Duck Hunt a lot easier now, but 
Uh, there's a lot of swivel actions going on, and it's still it's been probably I don't know ten years since I've used uh, PowerPoint. Yeah, yeah, same. Yeah, I'm all I'm all Google Suite now anyway. So yeah, and even then I, I use Google Docs, but not so much of the. I, I don't even know what they call their PowerPoint equivalent. Yeah, it's just slides, right? Yeah, I think so. So uh, what, what is your personal touch to your craft? What do you feel makes your pieces unique to your experiences? Oh, man, that's a good question. Um, uh, I don't know. I mean, I'm, I'm games, it's hard to say because I just have such a short track record. You know, I think that you can always, I, I think it's like kind of clear to, when you look at something, but if maybe you can tell that I made it no matter what medium it's in, just because of the way that I do think and the way I do it, mm -hmm. um, which is both, like, both good and bad. Um, uh, for games right now, I'm, I'm really interested in making games and just use your whole body. That's been a kind of cool thing. Um, so I'm building, there's, there's, you know, some design going into it. I'm, I'm building a, a balance board um, that, yeah, might, might help me, uh, you know, get some pieces for the prototype together. Um, and you, you stand on the balance board to move the character around on the screen. Um, and that's been really fun. And so that, you know, I think that's like a space I want to keep uh, exploring. Um, you know, how do you make games that reward people for physical activity and, and you know, that you, you don't just use a controller, you, you use your body in an interesting way. So that, that's you know, pretty interesting. That. Instead of like the, uh, the Kinect sensor and everything, it's a actual like interactive board. Yeah. Yeah, yeah, I think, I think, I mean, like, it's weird because, like, that, that there was, you know, the Wii board and stuff, like, 10 years ago, that there was a big push towards it, and I think, it, I don't know why it died out. I don't know that it was that unsuccessful. Like, I, I you know, obviously, the Wii uh, was, was a huge success when it came out. Um, but, yeah, it seems like, you know, the current direction of gaming has been making these uh, really kind of big, long experiences you know, mm -hmm. that, that you can get someone to buy something again and again and again and again. And that's where the focus is. That's the, the Overwatches or the Fortnites or what have you. So it seems like publishers are just sort of back going all in on those kind of like really big, long multiplayer type things. Um, but yeah, yeah, we'll see. That's, that's, I, I'm interested in that space. I think it's... Um, it, there's a lot of unexplored ground, and I think that, you know, if done right, it will have a lot of value to people. Yeah, I think that stuff has a lot of the, um, like, the retro gaming aspect to it as well. I remember, uh, like, with the light guns, with the with the NES. Yeah. Um, yeah, yeah, there's definitely a nostalgia to it, right? Yeah. I, my, my aunt even had the, uh, the trackpad where you, it was a track game and you had to like run on the pad yeah back for NES you know and uh, you you would run and like uh, for hurdles you'd have to jump and stuff it was very interactive for retro gaming mm -hmm. um, absolutely yeah and it has a realer feel to it than the than, than the sensors and yeah so yeah absolutely yeah yeah, exactly. It feels it feels relevant, you know. Mm -hmm. So I saw you working on that uh, 2D game design in your uh, video channel. Are you still working on that? On uh, which one? Uh, you. It was a. Uh, uh, you were doing a live cast of it. Uh, I, I watched a bit of the one episode. 
Um, oh, right. Yeah, I haven't been able to do live streaming of stuff because I've been working on um, some some projects for other people, some commission work. Mm-hmm. Um, and it's not, yeah, I can't, I can't show that publicly. Um, so it kind of dropped out. But yeah, yeah, I was, um, uh, so I'm working on two other games. Um, one I can't talk about. Uh, and the other one, um, I can. It's a, uh, a multiplayer deck building, um, I guess like dungeon call kind of roguelike RPG. Um, and so that means it's sort of, sort of like, it's like a card game, but you're playing on mobile phones, looking mm-hmm. at TV, um, and you're trying to progressively get through this dangerous dungeon that's going to be based on a dream um, and get to the end of it with, with your friends. Uh, so that's what I was working on there. Yeah, I was trying to do some backgrounds and things. Um, and that's really changed a lot. I'm, I mean, I'm still experimenting with different art styles, but I might go in a completely different direction. <laughs> yeah, it definitely had like a... a... Uh, older Final Fantasy style uh, artwork that feel to me. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And I, I don't know. I mean, I might. Thank you. I appreciate that. Um, you know, I might do that. I might make it more blocky. Playing uh, a lot, a lot with like voxel kind of pixel based design tools. Mm-hmm. Um, that you know, just have like a really. You're, yeah, everything is just a square, kind of like Minecraft. Mm-hmm. Um, and I, I really like that style a lot, um, so I might might bring it over there. You know, it's, it, yeah, it's hard to know. <laughs> I'm still playing around with it, and I think that that's like kind of like what I'm interested like in uh, art directing for too. Is like I'm also, you know, trying to ask some other people like, hey, can you help make some concepts for this, or can you, um, you know, do this? Because sometimes someone will, like you tell someone an idea and they'll take it and run with it and they'll go in a totally different direction. Um, you know, and I'll figure out how to implement that. But yeah, yeah, it's, it's an interesting process. Yeah, it definitely sounds like it. Uh, it's, I'm not very familiar with it myself, with the uh, animations and everything, making things move, besides my PowerPoint experience. Uh, <laughs> so is it like similar to that, where you have an image and you can set a path, or um, I know you like. I was watching you draw the character in the background and stuff, and I was like, "How do you, how do you go from drawing it like that to making it move?" Yeah, that was all just concept. Um, okay. So that was just to get the idea of the character, you know, to get the idea of the mood, the setting, the tone, um, you know, what he would look like, and then um, making the move will depend on a bunch of things. Yeah, you could do kind of like path-based, like puppet animation. Or um, I could do, uh, you know, like really traditional, like redraw each frame type things. Mm-hmm. Both work. Um, you know, it's sort of just a matter of like which one will get the, the best results quickest. Mm-hmm. But yeah, it's interesting. I mean, animation is probably the place where I'm the most novice and the least experienced. And so I'm figuring all those things out <laughs> at the same time, too, you know? Yeah. Uh, I definitely enjoy your uh, your your block guy dance. <laughs> yeah, yeah, those are really fun. The uh, yeah, the, the AR uh, of, of making a bunch of AR Snapchat lenses. Um, but yeah, that's like that's kind of the style that I'm thinking about. You know. <laughs> so so is that something that other people can view and use on Snapchat, or how does that work? Um, yeah, yeah, I can release the filter and like I can put it up for 24 hours and edit people. 
So I don't know. I mean, those, those have really just been for fun and, and exploring it. And yeah, I want to get a sense of like what Snapchat is doing with their AR stuff, um, you know, and see what other other companies are interested in. So yeah, that's what that's what that's all about. That's just fun experimentation and you know trying to share that on social to remind people that I exist. <laughs> right. Um, show them what's going on. That's interesting. I always yeah, wondered I like how you get into Snapchat with like, uh, like I'll see a filter and I'm like, oh, I, I hate this. I would, I'd rather it be this way. Um, yeah. So that's interesting that that you can uh, get in there and do that. Yeah. I'll have to talk to you uh, after this about how to do that so I can make my own filters for people to post their selfies on Facebook. Totally. Yeah. Yeah, we can we can go to that. Right. So. Uh, where can people reach you to if they're interested in getting you to work with them on some game or art design? Um, so you can reach me a couple different ways. You can uh, go to my website. It's andrewsimonthomas.com. Um, you can also go to andrewsimonthomas.work. Able, pretty even same place. You can find me on Instagram or Twitter. Um, at at Athomatron, A T H O M I T R O N. You can hang out and check me out there. On Facebook, I'm at Andrew Sandy Thomas. Uh, on Snapchat, I don't even remember. I think I'm not anything like that. I think I'm at uh, shiny underscore blue <laughs> on Snapchat because um, I'd be silly and made a different name. Um, yeah, 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 yeah. So that's those are how you can find me. Maybe I'll take a look at what I'm doing. Um, ask me any questions. Hire me if you want. Uh, yeah. I'll, I'll be sure to add all that in the description of the episode so that everyone can uh, find you. Yep. That, that's pretty lucky that you were able to get your name. I, my name is, like, so common I can never get it for anything. Well, that's why I have to add my middle name. Well, <laughs> even my middle name. My middle name's Carl, so it doesn't make it add much uniqueness to it. Oh uh, yeah. Yeah, I've I've never been able to find anything where I've been able to use any combination of my name. Crazy. And then and then it becomes so long that it's just unwieldy. Also. Yeah, that's my that's my problem. But yeah, I mean that's how I get my SAO from using the full the full thing. Right. There's too many Andrew Thomases out there. It's just two first names. They're good. Yeah. I found that there's a lot of Michael Williams out there. Even my dad is Michael Williams. So. Uh, yeah. <laughs> but, yeah, there was a football player, baseball player. It's, been, it's very common and very out there. For sure. Yeah, it's a classic American name. Yeah. All right. So um, entrepreneurship. Yeah, I mean, yeah, that's sort of been the thing I'm learning about now, right? Because, yeah, you gotta, if you're going to make art, you know, you're going to sell service, you're going to make a product. I've just been trying to learn as much as I can about, you know, how, how other people are, are approaching the, the business side of things, and that's been um, really interesting to me. Yeah, it'd be great if I could just do what I love and not have to worry about the marketing and uh, selling stuff that it, it isn't what I'm used to. Yeah, well, yeah, and I think that's, like, the, the challenge for a lot of artists is that, like, you want to just do the creative part, mm-hmm. but you don't want, you, you know, like, you don't want to do the, I don't, right, yeah, this is 
start hitting you, but like it's like I don't want to do the, the hard, boring, annoying, shitty stuff where um, you know I have to get people to care about what I'm doing and sell it and ask people for money and you know try to get attention and all of that. Um, and, and to us, it's hard, and, boring shit. But to other people, it comes more naturally. And it, I and then the best ones, the luckiest ones of us, they they get to enjoy both aspects. Yep. Yeah, exactly. And yeah, so I've, I've been, you know, learning about it and trying to, like, enjoy it now, um, you know, and trying to, like, embrace it as, like, part of the process and part, and, and a fun thing to do, too, you know? Um, because, yeah, like, there's so many other people out there who that is their passion, that is what they're good at, you know? Um, and if they're focused 100% on that, you can imagine that you focusing only 50% on it is... Uh, going to hurt you in the long run, you know? Yeah, that our percent isn't even close to their 25%. Right, exactly. You know, and so, like, I, I think having relationships with people who are really good at that is, is obviously valuable. Uh, you know, if you can yeah, you eventually hire someone to do it, then you don't have to worry about it as much. But, you know, when you're, when you're working solo or you're just working collaboratively in a team, but, you know, you don't have that kind of financial support, it's like that's you have to be the, the, the marketer and the salesperson and um, PR and all of that. And yes, yeah, so I've been, you know, really trying to um, to brush up on that mentality and those strategies and tactics so that I can, I can play them for, for my own, you know, creative stuff. Yeah, I think that's one of the things that uh, I learned about myself and gained from my experiences just working at Shapeways with with the different people and uh, interacting with the community and everything, it, it wasn't something I, I said from the beginning. I was like, I, I see myself as a designer. I don't feel that I'm a people person. And, <laughs> and they kind of put me in, in a people person position. So I kind of, you know, learned that I could do that. And then I also learned from people like you and from uh, Erico and Savannah Peterson, learned from these people those other skills and talents that are used for marketing and selling. Yeah. Yeah. That's, it's, that's what it's all about. That's why it's, it's, you know, it's so important that like no one will, no one will see your stuff unless you try to have them see it, you know? Yeah. You got to get it out there. You got to do your marketing and show you, put, put your stuff in people's faces, even no matter how uncomfortable it feels. What I found is that it stops feeling uncomfortable um, after a little bit. You know, you start to be like, okay, this is okay. You know, it's it's okay to ask someone to buy. If, if someone says they like something, you know, it, you, it, it's okay to remind them. You don't have to be, it's not even rude. Like, you, you don't have to, you can just say, do you want to buy it? You know, that's not, that's not, um, <laughs> that's not bad, you know. And I, I think a lot of people, like, think that you have to be this, like, you know, gaudy used car salesman. Mm-hmm. Um, but I think it's, if you believe in what you're doing and you're, uh, you, you know, you love your work, you love what you're doing, you think it's it's worthwhile, um, and other people see that, then they will think so too. And you know, you're you're just kind of yeah, you're just helping move it along, right? Like you're just encouraging them. Yeah, definitely. I, I personally, I've got a lot of anxiety with doing that stuff to me, I don't want to feel pushy. And uh, yep. 
I, and I felt that way a lot about this podcast and stuff. Like, who, who wants to hear me talk? <laughs> you know? Yeah. Um, so it's kind of been out of my comfort zone just doing this. Uh, but it's something that I felt I needed to do to open myself up more to those avenues. Yeah. And, and yeah, and like, you know, I think that the, the other thing that I'm learning is that, you know, the, the things that we do naturally, you know, the things that make us special as people, the, you know, whatever your, your, your life, your background, right? Like you've got, you've got this experience in 3D, you're doing a podcast, you've got kids, you know, like all those things like make you uh, special and worthwhile and make it so that you have something to offer by just being yourself, you know? Yeah. And it, it, that's my unique touch to my craft. Going, going back to that last question with, uh, you know, what makes it unique, what makes it you, that I, I have a lot of me in what I design and what I do. So trying to make the marketing part, making that part of me and part of what I do. Yeah. Exactly. Uh, so what avenues do you use to market? Uh, how do you get your get yourself out there for people to find you? You know, I've been focused on Instagram a lot lately. That's been sort of interesting. It's sort of, it's, you know, learning just, yeah, like how to use hashtags, how to promote yourself, how to use all of that kind of stuff. And, and you know, Twitter a little bit. Um, Twitter is more of just like trying to like engage with different people that I, I admire or I think cool or whatever, um, different topics. Um, you know, E3 is going on right now, so just keeping an eye on what's going on there. Facebook, I've kind of dropped off a little bit. I, I wish that I was doing, understood a little bit better how to do it. Um, I think that Facebook will be more important for me, let's say, in the next two months when games are starting to come out. Um, and I can start trying to, like, build up an audience there. But, so, yeah, each, you know, each space, I think, has a different, different thing, different type of value, you know? I'm trying to figure out, like, hey, how... My LinkedIn has been, um, you know, I'm still interested in community management. I guess it's something that I might continue to do professionally. It's definitely for games, something that I have to, I will have to do anyway, you know. So, you know, how do I, how do I wear all these different hats and wear them in the right channels where those those things are the most valuable? Yeah, yeah. I'm just trying to be, you know, practical and, and be strategic about like what spaces I'm in. But the ones that I'm in are um, Instagram, Twitter, Facebook. LinkedIn, a little bit of Twitch, but yeah, now I've dropped, you know, I didn't have a good plan for, for um, keeping that up regularly, uh, so I, I got to jump back in, you know, maybe I, I should just work on a project uh, not related to one of the games I'm doing, um, you know, twice a week or something. Yeah, how about you? Yeah, I do, uh, I sell a lot of my stuff on Amazon, so I, I you know, pay to promote my items on there. Uh, I try to do Facebook ads and stuff, but that goes back to where that, that's my personal page, and I feel, you know, like I'm shoving it in my friends' faces, like, hey, buy this, give me money. Like, so do you have a, a business page up for Facebook? I have my, yeah, I have my Melange Facebook page. Uh, I try to post to it. it. It's just, it's so much time to do all these, the social media stuff, and it's, you try to have your own personal presence and try to have your business presence and it's just, it's so much. <laughs> um, yeah. 
Yeah, I kind of think, I mean, I, I used to, you know, all, what I'm realizing is I need to be really auditing that, like, everyone's using these pieces of software so much, you know? Yeah. Everyone is really actively, yeah, right? Like, we're all spending outrageous amounts of time. I'm sorry, I keep doing that to <laughs> you. Um, uh, <laughs> I'm really bad. It's all right. Um, I'll, I'll clean it up. Uh...
content to get there, but it, and and you know really doing it often enough. And I, I think you know, like I, I feel like I want it to be constantly new content, but I feel it, it doesn't really have to be that new. We see lots of stuff on Facebook that's repeated and uh, reused and recycled. Uh, I think that's to give that illusion that there's continual content. Yeah, yeah. I mean, yeah. I think you can you can do that sparingly. You definitely don't want you know everyone to recognize that you're constantly. But you can you can go like right like you can make. I think people tend to think about it as different themes, right? You could, so you could reuse the same themes, right? You could only, and you probably should, you should only have, you know, four themes that you talk about, right? That, mm-hmm. That's how you brand yourself. Those are the things that you're really, really interested in. And you can make lots of content around those things. I think repeat, like sharing the same image 10 times in a week probably will annoy people, you know? Yeah. But, it could annoy, but if it's something like, you know, Father's Day coming up, you could have, you know, hey, Father's Day is four days away, here's this, you know, and then, you know, two days later, hey, if you haven't gotten it yet, you know, time's running out to get this in time for Father's Day. I think that kind isn't as obtrusive. Yeah, yeah, you can repeat it. And you can, you know, you can, like, take that, like, it doesn't all have to be, here's the thing to buy for Father's Day, too. It can also be, you know, here's how I feel about Father's Day or like here's, you know, here's my favorite memory with my dad or here's the history of Father's Day. You know what I mean? Like you can just share, you don't have to always make it about that final sale moment too. You can make it interesting and engaging for people and you're really just trying to remind people that you're there, you know? Mm -hmm. And then at the end you can say, and by the way, if you need something to buy for your dad, here you go, you know? Yeah. Yeah, it's interesting trying to make the posts interactive. You know, it, for in my experience, on my personal page, if I share it on my personal page and have a story, it's easy to get people to follow along with the story and comment and uh, like it and everything and share it. Uh, but when it's on my business page, it doesn't seem to get the same traction. Like you have to build that following first to get that uh, moving. Yep, exactly. So, yeah, yeah, you just have to, you know, make things that people want to see, you know. Yeah, and uh, find a way to engage them. It's, exactly. It's uh, funny when you were talking about the uh, with the figuring out your market. Uh, when I was talking to Vicky in the last episode, you know, we were talking a lot about how we we make things and market them in one direction, and then come to find out that there's a whole nother market that's interested in it maybe even more so than our intended market. Yeah. Yeah, I agree with that. It's, it's, and yeah, it's just it's just all about being thoughtful, you know? Yeah, and it's uh, being invested in it, being, uh, you know, really diving in, crunching the numbers. Yeah, yeah, and like, yeah, exactly. Like, you have access to all the data, too, you know? You don't have to be guessing at any of these things. You can, you can really look and, you know, know and see what's working. And those tools are right there at our disposal, thanks to the social media. Yep. Uh, so, yeah, that, that wraps us up for this episode of Making It. Thank you uh, for joining me today, Andrew. My pleasure. Thank you for having me. Uh, so I, I hope everyone learned as much as I did today about Andrew and his craft. And as always, if you feel like you would like to share with us as well, feel free to reach out to me. You can email me at mikewilliams at melange.co. 
M-E-L-A-N-G-E.co. And I hope that you tune in to my next episode. Yeah, and Mike, where, where are you hosting this? Where can people listen to the podcast? Oh, I'm, uh, I'm hosting it on my website at uh, melange.co. I need to make, I have the page, uh, the podcast page, not on the menu or anything, so you kind of have to, like, direct link to it, but uh, it's already. Yeah, man, get the, and then get this on, on you know, Spotify. And, oh, it's already, uh, it's up on Spotify, iTunes Stitcher, iTunes, it's up on everything now. Oh, it is, okay. Yeah, I was surprised when I looked it up, it, you know, it said that iTunes could take up to two weeks to approve you, and they took, they took longer than everyone else, but it still was, like, Less than forty-eight hours, so. Yeah. Oh, that's great. Okay, so it will be on there, so I can listen to. I I still have my stuff on Spotify. Oh yeah. Right now, if you go on Spotify and look it up, we're there. Cool. And then as soon as I'm done editing this and put you up, then you'll be able to listen to this one. That's great. All right, dude. It was good talking to you. Great talking to you too. We'll have to catch up again soon. Yep. Absolutely. All right. Thanks. Yep. Mm -hmm. Take care, everyone. Bye.